0: Welcome to the Five Points Church Planting Podcast, where two church planters try to make one good point. Read the intern here. Today, Hunter, Josh, and I get to chat with Terry Geiger. Terry has been a leader in church planting and church renewal for 50 years. He planted churches in both Miami and Boston. Recently, Terry has turned his attention from church planting to church renewal as the founder and president of Anago Partners. This guy has been on the front lines and in the trenches of church planting for a long time, and we're excited to share some of his wisdom today. Now that's enough of me. Let's kick it over to our time with Terry.
1: Welcome to the Five Points Church Planting Podcast. We have a very special guest with us. Today, it's Terry Geiger. He is the former coordinator of Mission to North America. That's MNA for the Presbyterian Church in America, and we have so many questions that we would like to ask him about church planting and church multiplication. Terry was also the founder of City to City, an influential church planting network not only in North America but around the world. He has so much wisdom and we can't wait to tap into that and to learn from him. Hopefully he will be a blessing to everyone who is listening today. And Terry, thank you so much for joining the 5 Points Church Planning Podcast.
2: My my privilege, absolutely. One quick note
0: before we begin. We wanted to let you know that this episode is sponsored by our friends at Auxilio Partners. Our calling is freeing you to pursue your call to plant find out how at auxilio.partners slash five points well
1: without any further ado we're going to jump into the questions that we have this morning and to begin with we would love to hear about your faith journey call to ministry the ministries that you have served your conversion uh, and your road to the pca to being the MA coordinator those are some things that we would love to hear in order to give our listeners a background regarding Terry Geiger
2: okay i uh, I grew up in a small town in Arizona, Glendale. eight thousand people when I was there. Now it's four hundred thousand. Um, I grew up in a um, in a Christian home with strong Christian parents and, and Conservative Baptist Church, where uh, where the the big thing was uh, learning the Bible, what God is trying to communicate to us, a lot of scripture memory, and um, a real teaching church, um, a real fellowship, um, not a large church, three, uh, four hundred, maybe at the top. Um very influential in my life as a young person. I was very young. Uh, i remember I remember the service that the gospel made a deep, profound influence on my heart and life. and um, i um I later went to the University of Arizona where I did a master's degree. I was going to be a, a a biology teacher and a coach. Uh, And uh, we were Baptist at the time. Uh, I went to First Baptist Church and got some other very good teaching. And um, then through a special set of circumstances, I'd love to take the the side road to tell you what those are, but I'll not take our precious time. But an unusual situation, which a a very wealthy land developer in Tucson uh, said to me, uh, I think you ought to go to seminary. And I said, No, thank you. I've been five years um, in school. I'm finished. (laughs) He said, Well, I just want you to know my wife and I prayed. And if you are interested in going to seminary, we'll pay your complete way. So uh, in uh, two months, we were in Denver. I went to Denver Seminary, which is um, a more balanced uh, sort of Baptist seminary, Uh, kind of a mixture of general evangelical approach and a couple of professors who were definitely reformed in their orientation. From there, I'm hitting only the high points, from there, uh, two other graduates of that seminary and I formed a small um, real estate development company and an organization called Men in Action. And the purpose of that organization was that we would go into churches and work with churches to mobilize laymen, not so much with women. And we formed a, a plan to work with the church over a, <clears throat> over a period of time. We found that in and out too quickly in a church uh, produces virtually nothing. So we would work with a church. We started a, a um, pastor's uh, leadership training course. So we work with lots of different kinds of churches. Um, we started working at some of the evangelical Presbyterian churches on the west coast, and um, there I started staying up night and and uh, talking theology to some of Fuller's grads who were reformed in their uh, thinking, and I uh, we built some apartments in um, um, northern Colorado and. Um, Uh, And then um, an opportunity came for us to uh, extend the work of that organization into the Caribbean and into Southern Europe and made a move to Miami. Uh, Attended one Baptist church uh, disillusioned. uh, Around the corner was a church called Granada Presbyterian Church in Coral Gables. And um, We started attending there. Um, I started reading through um, my pastor's uh, library and two Christian reform elders in the church who had massive libraries and kind of put myself back through a second seminary course and uh, had not been ordained. So I became ordained as a ruling elder in that church. So when the time came for us to... um, to leave the Southern Church and form a PCA, I was a lay representative to the founding committee of the of the denomination. It was a great experience for me. I was so much a novice, and uh, uh, but I, I was learning quickly, and um, at the same time started a PCA church called Emmanuel in mm-hmm. Miami. Learned a lot about uh, do's and don'ts, mostly don'ts, and uh, God blessed. We had some very, very gifted leaders that went with us. It was actually a plant of uh, Granada. So uh, I learned what a mother-daughter uh, structure is. And uh, at that very same time, I happened to end up on the MUS committee. We run on to mission to North America are uh, basically home home mission uh, designation for those who, like you say, don't know uh, PCA nomenclature. So um, I ended up on that committee. Uh, I uh, was the chairman of that committee he called Phil Clark, who was one of the first coordinators. He said, you need to leave Miami and come and be on my staff. I moved to, to, uh, I, I moved to Atlanta. And um, and spent a, a couple of years there, and then became the coordinator.
1: And you were the were you the third coordinator of M uh,
2: Yeah, Larry, Larry Mills, yes, mm-hmm. and then Phil Clark, and I became the third uh, coordinator. Um, so that's that's a high speed overview of uh, of uh, how God has led and guided. I'd like to think that in every single move, it was so obvious God was opening doors. So I am a big fan of providence. So that's uh, that's how we kind of ended up in uh, in in the Atlanta area,
3: uh, Terry. When you were uh, the the coordinator for M and A, uh, the kind of home missions agency of of our denomination, uh, what what were things that really shaped your your thinking regarding church multiplication, church planting, uh, those things? What were the things that really shaped your ideas or your approach or uh, pursuit of that as the coordinator?
2: Very good question. I'll uh, try to be brief here also. One of the things that I uh, found is that we were doing very well with some church planters and not so well with others. And uh, I began to research that and think about that and ask questions about that. And here I was an absolute novice at this point, but um, we decided to do a bit of study and um, found out in some respect, this was not real scientific, what were some of the traits and issues and experiences and attitudes of those who were doing well in church planning? I'm not talking mega churches. I'm talking about healthy, growing churches. And so we uh, hired a consultant from Southern California who helped us develop the assessment center. We uh, the nomination was failing at um, pretty high rate before that, and um, that was a um, that was a pretty deep challenging experience to determine what some of the the aspect qualities gifts and so on and this man then helped us develop a a system of assessment he was also the one who developed the assessment process for the peace corps for uh, president kennedy so he was eminently qualified and very 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 sin- deep, sincere uh, believer. Uh, and of course, we began to see the the change that was that was taking place. We developed a, a broader process of, um, of um, selection and um, of of church planners. We began to fail and fewer percentages of uh, our new church plans. And uh, by the way, that, that has been picked up, and our denomination has shared this with at least 20 different denominations. Mm-hmm. And um, this, I think an, another thing that I've, I uh, found um, was that um, we, we were very strong and growing in the South, but right at that time, the denomination was beginning to think bigger picture and more of a national presence so um i discovered that uh, there were about 30 40 key churches in the u.s where we had virtually no presence and um so i began to uh, try to develop a, a strategy that we would uh, recruit, train, and fund uh, these uh, these church planners to go to these major cities. This was like an absolute mission to, uh, to the country. And uh, that's how, uh, when I became the coordinator, I um, immediately approached Tim Keller, who was teaching. I had known him in the past, and he had become Um, kind of a a resource to me even when he was at the small church in uh, Virginia so when he moved to the seminary I thought I'm I'm not going to miss this opportunity so the very general assembly I was elected coordinator I spent uh, evening in dinner with uh, Tim and Kathy and Kathy was very much (laughs) opposed to Thinking about going to New York, um, I said, "Okay, I'll make a deal. I'll pay the seminary one day a week, and you go to New York on a train, spend the day there for a solid year, and learn that culture and that system and that opportunity and problems and issues." So then, at the end of the year, they were ready uh, to uh, to go. So I was trying to find pastors. um, uh, the uh, pastor um, at um, at Briarwood right now. Um,
1: Harry, reader.
2: I've recruited him to come from Miami and to come to Charlotte and, and uh, Briarwood put up the money. That's how Harry actually got. People ask, well, how did Harry actually get to Briarwood? Well, that was the system by which he came. Mm-hmm. And so we started uh, uh, finding pastors that were willing to be missionaries in these Northern Midwest and Western cities. So those are the things I, uh, some of the things that I learned Um, assessment. And the fact that if we want to be more than a national Southern church, we got to get into these other cities.
1: Mm, Terry, I want to toot your horn for a second. Um, I was at a, gathering of church planting leaders several years ago in nashville and ed stetzer was leading this conference and often in the pca we maybe naively think that everyone knows about the pca and it was you know at this meeting where I, i i guess i realized for the first time not everybody has heard of the pca And they asked the question, who does the best job of church planning? And Ed Stetzer said, there's a denomination called the PCA. And I saw people look around the room and shake their head as if they (laughs) had never heard of it. How dare you? I thought, Uh -uh. uh, all joking aside. And um, he said, they don't plant the most, but they plant the most effective in terms of sending people out in the church plants, actually materializing and becoming, in our language, particularized churches or established churches. And he talked about how well we do in identifying planters and assessing planters. So that was a, a real you know, proud moment for a church planter in the PCA to hear him say that in front of a thousand people. And um, you know, a lot of that credit belongs to you Go for ahead. identifying the need to properly assess church planners um, for kingdom ministry.
2: Well, he's a, he's a friend and uh, well, the, this is, this is really uh, due to openness of ideas in the, in the PCA uh, yet with a solid theology and um, a profound hope in the gospel that uh, God can can move and um, in unique ways and you see some amazing things happen.
0: I first heard about you and your connection with City to City. So I want to know how did City to City come about and what were the early, early days and years of, of that founding ministry like?
2: Uh, it was an exciting time. Um, the Redeemer was growing. Um, but redeemer uh, was preoccupied with its own growth is not paying much attention to church planning and uh, i remember the time in the session we determined that its major mission would not be some things that other churches uh, emphasize, but uh, we would try to start churches and and uh, become a center of encouragement and funding and training for church planners and um, um we began by by sort of a division of the church. Uh, it was all under the um, the authority umbrella of the session, but um, I, I was invited there. actually, let me let me go sideways on a side rail here. When I first came, I was to be the director. And uh, a month before I arrived in New York, Dick Kaufman, the executive pastor, decided to go back to San Diego. So uh, I had to step in and be the executive pastor and the the director of the church planning center. And um, we said, this has got to be, you know, not a hit and miss situation. We've got to think, we've got to strategize, got to write, we've got to project. And um, Tim was uh, super involved at that time. Uh, I reached out to other pastors. So we formed, um, and, and all, also, by the way, I, I must not leave this out. 9-11 happened very, very uh, soon after that. So we were bombarded with young church planters coming to New York, most of them not PCA. So right then we said, okay, for the sake of the gospel and its wider influence, we'll help train and sponsor church planners. So we just began to start churches and learned more about church planning in urban areas in that first experience. And then um, we got some special funding. I was able to build a a staff of uh, really gifted people like Um, One, uh, uh, Al Barth, who was very familiar with uh, evangelical church planning in Europe, he became our director, but the main thing that we started was a training center and a curriculum that every single person had to go through, even if we had to bring them from a distance for a month. We would bring them and train them and saturate them with the gospel and Tim's teaching and preaching. And and um, later we brought a, a training officer uh, who is still there and um, then a director of operations. So somehow, this is hard to explain, this somehow the, this caught on in New York, caught on with the people there. And we begin to have more and more resources, and um, and um, basically we said, if you are an evangelical church, our concern is for the city, is not for our denomination. So we begin to help other churches uh, plant, uh, and um, again, a training curriculum. Uh, a good friend of mine who'd been a a veteran missionary in in, uh, Cuba uh, developed our church training manual, which was the first one of these I'd ever seen, Uh, step-by-step, what are the key principles, what are the key gifts, what are the key uh, questions, Uh, what are the key conclusions that, so we took them through a period of time in that training, and um, I'll talk about this experience because this is typical. One day we met uh, two or three key uh, reform pastors from um, from um, the Netherlands, and they said, "We come every year. We 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 find a key church that is growing, and we come." They were just coming back from being with Bill Hybels in Chicago, and they discovered that there was a Presbyterian church in New York. So they started talking to us. And one of the first things we did, we formed a partnership with the, the, I don't really understand, but it was the sort of conservative element inside the Christian Reformed Church in the Netherlands. And we started training and helping them Other places in Europe started seeing that, that we're not interested in Redeemer churches, we're interested in indigenous churches. Uh, That really shaped our view of how to start churches in other areas. And um, that was very successful. And uh, then some in um, UK, and and then the next we we found two terrific young church planners in Germany and Berlin and uh, they started growing, and um, then we took this to Latin America uh, and to Asia. Um, so that's more than you're asking for, but those were some of the principles that we uh, we talked about. And of course, Tim was heavily involved in the thinking process, the theological the formulation, uh, and um, God's timing and God's place and God's way you can say it was Tim you could say it was me you could say it was the church planning center but it it was the Lord all the way through
3: yeah yeah Terry thank you so much for sharing that it's uh you know sometimes for especially us who are in in church planning now just to hear uh just stories about you know men that we admire and ministries that we have come to know and, and respect and just to hear those kind of backgrounds of how the lord began to shape and, and mold those ministries uh are, are deep encouragements to to us as we labor in kind of on the in the beginning stages of our church planning journey and those kind of dynamics thank you uh so much um uh for sharing that's been uh <laughs> worth uh worth our time this morning just in and of itself so thank you i i also think about church planning you know kind of my own journey. And I, I think I came out of college. I, I knew I was going to, I was called to be a pastor and, uh, but I didn't really know. I just thought I'd go to, you know, some church would call me, I'd step in the pulpit and start preaching and doing ministry. And I had a lot of ideas about shepherding and things of that nature. But when I uh, graduated from college, uh, I took a couple of years between college and seminary and went to Nashville, Tennessee, and, and worked at a church plant, uh, West end community church. And, uh, yeah and uh and really enjoyed my my time there it was a little bit further along in the development process when i got there they'd been going for a number of years and so i kind of stepped into the middle of the church planning process and was very in, intrigued and then um and then then went to seminary and spent a couple of years i actually was uh, have a similar background to your story I, I was baptist kind of background i did a year at southern seminary before uh, i figured out my presbyterianism and uh transferred my second year to RTS and Jackson. And, uh, it wasn't until my second year at Jackson at RTS and Jackson, that I met Hunter and, and, uh, my wife actually started working for, for, uh, Madison Heights first as a children's ministry coordinator. And then he called me and just said, Hey, I'd like to to bring you into work as well. And my wife just kept saying, look, this is just like that church in Nashville. They're doing the same kind of things. I still didn't really know much about church planting as a particular call. And, But really starting with Madison Heights, you know, church planting in general really got into my blood and I began to see really the necessity of church planting uh, for our denomination to grow, for the church to grow, for God's kingdom to continue to to move forward. And and I I think it would help our listeners if you could maybe just tell us a little bit about what influenced your heart, uh, particularly for church planting as, as an approach to ministry itself.
2: Well, uh, what, a, what a deep and serious question that is for me and for all of us. Um, I began to see the way to extend the kingdom uh, was, you know, through the growth of existing churches. That's that's obvious, um, the healthier the church is, the, the more likelihood it's going to be growing in spiritual dimensions and, numerical dimensions and service and structure dimensions. But there is nothing like uh, promoting uh, church planning to uh, enlarge the kingdom and to do it more quickly and more deeply. And, um, you know, there's a great case study of Paul going. um, I like I like to say this, you know, when when the church in Antioch called um, um, Paul and Barnabas, you know, I can I can generally think of a, a service. They brought them down to the front and laid their hands on them and sent them out. Said, "Now look, uh, we're we're we've never done this before. We're spending a lot of our money on you. We're sending you out. We expect big things." And um, uh, I don't know what Paul was thinking, but Paul started an amazing strategy, going to a major city and planting a church and extending there to other cities like Thessalonica and Berea and Corinth and Athens. And he started a church planting movement. That's what the PCA was trying to do. And um, from that strategy, you forward, two centuries later, and Constantinople goes to the East and in one day declares the whole Roman world Christian. How did that happen? Hey, Paul went to the cities, went to the population areas. Now we've gone to cities, we need all the small communities, mid-sized communities. So what sort of struck me is if the PCA is gonna grow, it has to grow to churches, new churches. Yes, existing churches can grow and should grow, and we should find a way to help them grow. But the faster track is in new churches. And um, I think the PCA bought that and and hopefully still is. I'm not as involved as I was with uh, PCA. I was more involved in New York. So good for you. Keep doing, keep talking, keep, keep on track. Yeah, that's great.
1: Terry, we have a number of listeners each episode that are seminary students. Um, And if you were talking to a group of seminary students about church planning, what is it that you would say to them to encourage them? What advice would you give them what What do you think they need to know?
2: Well, they need the vision of what this is. Um, all of us are captured by something bigger than ourselves. and um, they need to, they need to see I can be a catalytic influence on expanding Christ church Um, secondly they need a solid honest evaluation of their own calling and gifts and experiences um you know i take courage to plant a church You're, you're, you're you've got a blank sheet of paper you don't have a building to go to you don't have an existing church to go to you're you're creating something from nothing That takes a certain kind of inward um, confidence. I'm not talking about a sinful pride. I'm talking about a genuine uh, evaluation of one's own gifts. And they need to understand that this is a predictable process that you can learn from others. You don't have to start all over again. In fact, if you want to make a mistake, just try that. Uh, right. But learn from others, uh, like you and others who are involved in church planning, and don't don't want don't start too quickly until some of these basics have been covered. Even if you have to spend a year out of seminary, being with a church planner. Um, so that's that's some of the things I would say. Uh, be ready for great joys and great disappointments. Uh, uh the spiritual health, physical health, emotional health. Some of our pastors are not very emotionally healthy. Um an emotionally healthy church planner, pastor uh a book or a pastor up in New York, I forget his name. Um but Pete's Cazero. the Pete's Cazero, yeah. Pete Scazzaro, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh the the pastors that we're working with, we're working with existing pastors now uh in um Trying to upgrade uh, skills and calling and and um, and church growth, Um, so it's it's a it's a pretty serious pathway, I guess you would say, before you ever get to your first day on the side, and um, trying to cut through those and think that you're special and that you can do it uh, is not smart. And um, so I I don't know if that's that's an adequate answer or not. Um, That's a pretty deep question, pretty complex question. Some of the best church planners are those that um, have learned from other good pastor leaders and church planters.
0: Well, Terry Geiger, thank you for joining us today. We are grateful for your lifetime of service and your continued service to the kingdom of God and to church planting all across the world. And we're grateful for a little wisdom that you were able to share with us today. So thank you so much for joining us.
2: Yeah. Hey, great to to be with you guys and uh, uh, keep this up. This is so important what you're doing, really. Uh, So keep it up.
1: Well, thank you. Thank you so much. For everybody that's listened today, we're glad you joined us, and we hope this has been beneficial to you, that you can learn a lot from the wisdom that Terry has imparted. Please feel free to share the word about the Five Points Church Planning Podcast. Have a great day.
2: Thank you.
0: That's the last word for now. Thanks to Terry for joining us and thanks to you for listening. As always, you can reach us with comments or questions on Twitter or Facebook at Five Points Planting or by email at reformedplanting at gmail.com. See y'all next time. Five Points Church Planting is a member of the Society of Reformed Podcasters.